I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Episode 72. And do you know what else? What? On Thursday, Donna turned 72 years old. I, you know, I needed a hip replacement and all. <laughs> really and truly, though, Thursday, Donna turns 34. 34? We're going to have a party Saturday. We're going to be swimming. Pending no rain, but it looks like it's not going to. We're going to have a little bit of a pool party, mm-hmm. some maybe burgers and hot dogs on the grill. But tell them before that. What? Girl, don't even be. <laughs> don't, don't even go there. I'm taking her to an alpaca farm. Yes! <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah. <laughs> I'm 34 and I get to go to an alpaca farm. I legitimately was, like, looking at the website to see what we could do, blah, blah, blah. And it was like, kids parties. <laughs> <laughs> like, if by kid, you mean a big kid, we'll be there. <laughs> I can be a big kid, too. Oi! <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. I hope they're fluffy. Because if they're not like what I've seen on Instagram, I'm going to be pissed. What if they're, like, shaved? <gasps> I'll be so mad. But, but they keep their fluff on their head, right? But they won't have the same texture. You know they're probably going to stink, right? I don't care about stinking if they're okay. just... Y'all, y'all marked her fucking words. I can I can deal with the stinkage. I just want them to be fluffy. Mm-hmm. I want them to be fluffy. We'll keep y'all posted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, fast forward, and I'm scared of them, and I don't touch them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's probably going to happen. I mean, she's not lying. <laughs> or I step in shit. I mean, and then she's done. She's done. <laughs> she'd be like, we're going home now. This bitch. And then I get, you know, there's a kid party happening and I'm like. And then we get kicked out because she said this bitch. And then, and then they kick us out. And she's like, I was already leaving. <laughs> <laughs> and then she has to speak to the manager. <laughs> Whole thing. Also, some other big news. Uh-oh. Carrie no longer has her pick line. No! We haven't told him that, I don't think. she no longer has her jewelry on her arm. No, and no boot, and I'm returning the scooter tomorrow. What? Well, hell, that's news to me. Mm Mm-hmm. She's been wearing her Crocs out, y'all. Yeah, your girl had to wear fucking Crocs out. It was, my foot be getting real big. (laughs) Y'all, I... (laughs) Her foot got stuck in her Croc almost (laughs) when I took it out one time, and I was like... Oh, Lord. <laughs> She's like, it's stolen. You ain't got to tell me that, honey. <laughs> life support. Jaws of life. Get it out of here. Although, the past two days, I have worn tennis shoes to work. That's freaking amazing. Today, but when I left work, I had to take the tennis shoes off and put the Crocs on. Because my foot was like, eh, eh, eh. I hate you. <laughs> but we're Your moving are barking. Yes. So, truly, like, madly deeply, on a serious, serious note... I could not have done this last two months without Donna. Aw. This bitch would come over and wrap my fucking pick line up so I could shower. (laughs) She would literally, like, set all my stuff out so that I could get dressed after I got out of the shower. She would get my medicine out for me, help me into bed. I mean, like, legitimately, this past two months has been really fucking hard and... Donna has been amazing. Oh, don't don't cry. Oh, my God. I'm not. You're crying. Stop. Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> Stop looking at me. <laughs> this is awkward. <laughs> <laughs> but for real, for real, though, 
She has, like, brought me meals, cleaned my fucking house, taken my trash out, <laughs> all the things, and uh, help, literally helped me up from chairs. <laughs> and so I could not have done this without her. So thank you very much. Oh She's my, my best friend. And cute, cute. You've got a friend in me. <laughs> so we got a glimpse into the next 50 years of our lives. <laughs> Yeah. And it ain't pretty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. We're fucked. We need to be, we need to start putting money away now so that we can afford a really nice assisted living. Well, we need to make money before we can put money away. There's a flaw in my plan. Yep. Because <laughs> you know neither one of us have a kid, so. uh Right. Tweedledee and Tweedledum going to be sticking it out to the end. <laughs> Codependent for life. Well, it's been my honor to help you. You've helped me so much. Oh, blah. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, okay, enough with all this shit. Can you get on? (laughs) Okay. You know what else? On a serious note? Mm -hmm. What? More Patreoners! Serious note. Is that, that's what you hit there? Serious Mm -hmm. note? Mm -hmm. I went seriously high and obnoxious. (laughs) Okay, that's true. With my song. Hey. I'm I'm your friend, though, remember? Mm Mm-hmm. I got a friend in her. So, thank you so freaking much, Hannah M. from California. And Chantley R. from Arkansas. Thank y'all so freaking much for being part of the Creepinati joining Patreon. We are so freaking thankful that y'all support us in every single way, including on Patreon, on social media, with reviews and all of that. Thank y'all so freaking much. Yes, Every little bit helps. Every review helps. Seriously. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We love y'all. Okay, bye. End of podcast. (laughs) We got that. I'm awesome. I'm turning 34. And y'all are awesome. And Carrie doesn't have a big line. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Carrie's no longer dying. Okay, bye. All right. Picture it. Austin, Texas, 1886. A guy named Jesse Driscoll He had worked hard, built up his cattle herd, and became a well-known cattle baron. Mm. Mm -hmm. I want to be a baroness. Well, the only baron I know is the Red Baron Pizza. He had plans for all of this money that his cattle was bringing in, and it was to purchase land. He purchased an entire city block that was a corner lot located at Brazos and Pecan, which is modern-day 6th Street in Austin. Whoa. Mm-hmm. And he purchased this for $7,500. Holy shit. Yes. That's like one of the mainest, mostest streets yeah. in Austin yeah. now. Golly. And he declared that this would be his hotel of dreams. 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 All right. A little bit about the hotel. It was really big. Six million bricks went into building the facade and it had like limestone accents the main hotel has 60 rooms 12 corner rooms that have their own attached baths which was like unheard of at this time damn yeah remember this is 1886 so like that's unheard of shit that's like fuck The hotel lobby was, like, in that grand southern style. Very she-she. Mm-hmm. But it also had, like, big taxidermy on the walls Very and Texas. Stuff. 
Yes. Like, lots of carpet from different cattle. Because, I mean, he's a cattle guy. I mean, I'm sorry. A cattle baron. So, some other, like, she-she things was an electric bell system. Holy crap. Yeah. It had marble sinks and bureaus. It had steam heating, gas lighting, and, of course, he hired the best of the best. Everything was top of the line. And it cost him $400,000 at that time. Holy shit. Which it's like $6 million today. I wonder how they did the gas lighting back then. He had pipes and stuff. They were really flammable. And so he had to have really thick walls and like all kinds of stuff. So, I mean, it was like really fucking expensive for him to do this. But of course, he wanted best of the best. Everything. Well, and everybody fucking smoked back then, too, huh? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, sheesh. Yeah. And people were like, he's a fucking fool for dropping that kind of money on this hotel right here because it was still kind of a one-horse town. It was still, you know, a frontier town. Native Americans were still living in the area. And everything was like wild, wild west country kind of shit, you know, like... And see, and literally, all I can think of is the fact that the Great Depression is just around the corner. I know. I like, know. Like, it gives me so much anxiety. I know. And it's like, for this, it's like 40 years away. Yeah. But still, it makes my stomach hurt. Yeah. Well, going back to, like, the Wild Wild West, all I can think about is Will, Will Smith. Smith. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was um, going to say, okay, Will Smith. <laughs> because most of the men that would stay here were cattlemen. They were quote-unquote, rough and tumble, Mm -hmm. all of that. The hotel actually had a separate entrance for women to go through for their protection so they wouldn't have to deal with the cat calls, deal with harassment from the men. And I'm just like, holy fuck. One, great that he thought about this, but two, you think about, like, fuck. We think that women... We're fighting for rights still now and all, but, like, this, I mean, they had no rights. Mm-mm. Like, none. That's crazy. Oh, my gosh. Like, how fucking scary. hmm So, okay. Two weeks after its opening, the hotel had its, like, big, 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 huge thing. The hotel hosted an inaugural ball for the then Texas governor at the time and since then it's been a tradition. Dang. But two weeks after it's opening. That's some she she shit. Mm-hmm. However Uh oh. In eighteen eighty seven, barely a year after opening, the hotel was forced to close <laughs> because half of the staff was poached by freaking Galveston Beach Hotel. Because that was up and coming. Mm-hmm. And then in 1888, a late spring freeze happened and killed off a lot of his cattle. Aww. And so he lost basically everything. He went bankrupt. Oh, shit. Because 3,000 head of cattle died. Oh, my God. So he, could, he couldn't keep up payments. He couldn't keep up anything. However, there is a legend that says that, like, yes, he was down on his luck. He, you know, whatever. But in one last attempt, he was like, all right, I'm a gambler through and through. I'm going to, like, bet 
this, you know, and just hope for the best. He gambled away the hotel and lost it to his brother-in-law, Jim Day. And he actually did become the hotel's second owner. And how you're talking about the Great Depression and Mm -hmm. everything. Jesse Driscoll never saw that because he died only two years after this from a stroke. But they said he was a broken man. Yes. He, you know, just never recovered from all of this loss. Could you imagine if you were his wife or partner or whatever and he gambled away your hotel? Right. The hotel changed hands many times over the years, had different improvements, but it always sold at a loss. In the 1930s, it underwent a renovation and it added an additional 13-story tower that still is there today. Damn. In 1950, air conditioning was added. Thank God. Mm-hmm. And, like, they had, like, a rotunda. Is that how you say it, I think? Sounds like it. <laughs> I don't know. But it was, like, to help the ventilation. That was removed because they didn't need it anymore. Mm-hmm. In 69, it was supposed to be demolished by a fucking wrecking ball. Last minute, some people raised money and was like, hey, This is a landmark. They got it designated as a historical landmark. And so it was saved, like, by the bare skin of its teeth. And the hotel reopened in 1972, and it's been successful ever since. Still there today. In 2013, Hyatt Hotels purchased it, but it's still under the name Driscoll. Hmm. And let me just say that it was used in the movie Miss Congeniality, as the grill where they go. In the swimming? Um, I don't know if it's the swimming, but it's like the grill part where she's like eating the steak when she meets Michael Caine's character. Mm-hmm. And he's like, like mm-hmm. appalled at her. It's there. Really? Mm-hmm. It also had a lot of important people like Amelia Earhart. <gasps> I love her. <laughs> <laughs> Are you thinking Amelia Bedelia? I love her, too. (laughs) Me, too. And her little kooky antics. (laughs) Same. I learned what dates were from her because she tried to cook with dates, but it was from a calendar. (laughs) Right? And And I thought you meant, like, a romantic date. (laughs) uh, No. Of course it's food for me. (laughs) Louis Armstrong, Michael Jordan, Sandra Bullock, of course, the Dixie Chicks, Oh, hi, wide open spaces. But what a lot of people know is President Johnson and his wife, Lady Bird Johnson, Mm -hmm. they had, like, this hotel was ingrained in their relationship. They had their first date (gasps) at the cafe downstairs. He made it his election headquarters. He watched, when he was elected, he watched the news that said... Like, he won. He was there. Yeah. Oh. There. Like, it's crazy. <laughs> he was there, like, there. He was there. There. <laughs> he was there, then there. Mm-hmm. There, there. Well, that's all grand and wonderful and all. Mm-hmm. But you fucking telling this story, so well, hit me with it. Okay. Yep. As always, Carrie's one step ahead of me, because I was going to say, so it is beautiful and historic and it is in the heart of downtown Austin. But? But we're not Expedia. <laughs> But we could be. (laughs) So let's get to the spooky. And Janine Plummer, she's the founder of Austin Ghost Tours. She said that a lot of the hauntings here, they're not visual. They're more feeling, smells, movement of objects. 
But let me tell you, it's still fucking freaky. There's a haunted painting. Mm, What does it do? It haunts you. It follows you with its eyes. It's not the Jesus painting. No. mm -mm. So one of the paintings that they're like, "Mm," like give a little side eye is of Jesse Driscoll. And his nickname was Colonel because he did some stuff with the Confederate things in the Civil War. He wasn't like a soldier. He just made chicken. He sold them. (laughs) (laughs) He did sell them meat, but it was cattle. Not chicken, not poultry. Was it chicken fried steak? No, God, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> Are you Donna? Did we change bodies? <laughs> something about this seat. <laughs> so when you step into the hotel lobby, you see this huge portrait of Jesse Driscoll. Because, hello, mm-hmm. it's his namesake. But they do say that his eyes stare back at you. Some say that they do follow you. Like you said. And around this painting and throughout the lobby and stuff, you can get a whiff of cigar smoke because that's what he smoked. And lots of flickering lights are attributed to him, too. And he's especially fond of women. So if it's a room full of women, he is bound to show up by smell, by a cold brush, all of... All of, you know. As long as he keeps his hands to himself. Mm-hmm. Or on me. Mm-hmm. They also say it might be him or might not be him, but there is a spirit that is that has been reported to operate the elevators, move furniture, and push guests out of their bed. <gasps> no. Mm-hmm. Don't fuck up my sleep. I know. And hide their belongings. Mm-mm. Look, I already forget shit on trips. I don't need you to hide the shit I do remember. Right? Y'all, she just found her Fitbit and she's been looking for that bitch at least two days. <laughs> no, for legit, yeah, a week. <laughs> the watchman was in my office and the at home and then the actual Fitbit part was in my desk at work. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like, how the fuck did wow. that happen? Yes. What the fuck? Oh, my God. The second haunted painting is on the fifth floor. It's of a little girl, and she's holding a bouquet of flowers in one hand and a letter in the other. The little girl in that is supposed to be Samantha, and she's the daughter of a senator who died in 1887 after she chased her ball and accidentally fell down the grand staircase. Oh, God. And they say that you can still hear the sound of her giggling and a ball bouncing down the stairs. The painting originally hung in the lobby, but people, like, said they had too many, like, accounts of her laughter, too many, you know, like, weird things happening, and so they moved it to the fifth floor, but it still goes on. However, it's a modern replication of a painting titled Love Letters, and it was by Charles Trevor Garland, so it wasn't of Samantha how people thought it was. Hmm. But they say that it was reported, like, that did happen. There was a senator named, I can't think, uh, I did have his last name written down, and I cannot think of it now. But it, like, that account was, quote unquote, verified. Mm -hmm. But that painting was not of her. So another thing about Samantha, it was reported a week after her death that people saw her, and she was playing at the hotel with her little ball, 
That was the first paranormal incident recorded at the hotel. Another legend is the tale of the suicide brides. Oh, God. Yeah. So the thing is, is that there were two brides and they both died by suicide in the same room, room 522, but it was 20 years apart. Oh, what? Yeah. I saw some websites and things that said they were on their honeymoons. Some that said, like, they didn't get married. And so, like, they were kind of jilted and they were there. So, I don't really know, like, the full story. Well, and it may be one was jilted lover and one was on their honeymoon. You know? Yeah. We do know that the second bride stayed there in the 1990s. She checked into a room after her fiancé called off the wedding. Oh. And so she was like, you know what? I'm going to hit him up, hit him up style. Like, what was that? Blue Cantrell? Mm-hmm. Don't make him hit up style. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Exactly. Hey, when your man want to get buck wild, just go back and hit him up style. Put your hands on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you asking me for words? (laughs) And so she was like, you're going to fuck me over like that? I'm going to fuck you over. And she went on a $40,000 shopping spree. What? Mm Mm-hmm. On his credit card. Who has that limit? I guess he had a black card. I don't know. Did they have black cards in 1990s? I don't know. I never had that amount of money. What in the pretty woman is going on here? (laughs) And definitely in the 1990s, my mama probably had a McRae's card, and she probably had like $200 limit on that. I was going to say, I legit was going to say a $500 limit, probably. (laughs) And we probably still get calls about it. (laughs) McRae's, God. You went old school. (laughs) So after her shopping spree, she walks in, her hands, like you said, pretty woman, bags full. Huge mistake. Huge. However, it didn't end well, as we know. She goes back up to her room, and they say that she died by suicide from a gunshot wound. That is very suspicious. Mm. But they said that she muffled the sound with a pillow and with the really thick walls from those pipes and Mm -hmm. all of that before, because they are extremely thick. Mm Mm-mm. He found out that she did that damn shopping spree, and he used the pillow as a silencer. Mm, probably. I just solved that murder. You sure did. Fucking armchair detective. At your service. Well, guests have seen her ghost walking down with shopping bags in hand. One time, two women saw a female guest overloaded with shopping bags, and... She got off of the elevator on this floor that was just like a construction zone. And so they were like, all of this noise doesn't bother you? And she like looked back and was like, no, it doesn't. And just, you know, went like went off. So when they were checking out, because this is so me. Like, can't let it go. Like, Mm -hmm. that was fucking weird, you know? (laughs) Um, So, she's like, why is someone staying up there? Like, I mean, there's fucking tarps and stuff, Mm -hmm. you know? Like, how is that safe? Blah, 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 blah. And they were like, oh, no, no one's on that floor. And they're like, no, 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 we saw someone 
arm loaded down with shopping bags. Like, we saw her get off. We talked to her. But, like, they went up there to look, and no one can find her. Meanwhile, yes, not only is that you because you can't let it go, but also because you got to fucking talk to everybody. Also true, yes. I'm like, oh my god, can we just fucking check out? (laughs) They don't give a fuck who's up there. I know. Or who we talk to. Let's go. I know. They'll be like, oh my god, y'all's breakfast was so good. That pancake machine. (laughs) They also say that there was another lady who died by suicide on the fourth floor. And they say that you will see her spirit out of the corner of your eye. But when you look to see who's standing there, you can't see anyone. People say that you can often hear a female whispering up on the fourth floor, but it's very faint. You can't really follow it. You know, you try to follow to see where it goes, but then it just dissipates. The hotel staff has heard crying, like a female crying, not wailing, but crying on the fourth floor. But no one's staying up there. You know, like all of this, they cannot find the source. Why do they always have these floors where nobody's staying? Right? I know. I'm like, "Mm, Lost revenue. (laughs) Back to the quote-unquote suicide brides. Mm Mm-hmm. For a short period, that room was shut off. And so it was opened again during the 1998 renovation. But that's when, like, even more strange occurrences started. Like ghostly apparitions, unexplained leaks, Mm. sensations, distant voices, and unexplained noises. So. I wonder what it is about that room, though. Yeah. Like, 20 years apart. Mm -hmm. Both of them brides like either jilted or whatever i don't know Ooh, i wonder if someone who's going like numerology but 525 i wonder if that's like uh you know what i mean i don't know i just went to like jim carrey you know that movie the number 13 was that it i don't know but i'm not so sure the second one died by suicide yeah i mean hey you're right like He could have found those charges and been like, what the? Well, and also, well, it was 1990. It wouldn't have been that fast that he was like, oh, Oh, because that's back when you had to like, remember like the carbon car. But I mean, she probably went, listen, motherfucker, I just spent all your damn money. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But here's the thing, though. How hard is it? Like, okay, thinking forensically, that would be really motherfucking hard to shoot yourself And use a pillow as a silencer. Yeah, I feel like, but I also can't shoot a... I can't draw a straight line, so... I just think it's questionable. Yeah, no, you really raised some good points. Thank you. And I want to know what happened to the $40,000 worth of stuff. She probably wasn't my size. (laughs) No, she definitely was not my size. Back then, only Walmart carried that, maybe Kmart. Mm Mm-hmm. And we know it was only pleated khakis. Or you had to go through the JCPenney catalog and you only had a fucking craze card and then blah, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. All of that. We couldn't spend $40,000 if we tried. Well, we could to say, hey, I need a prom dress. <laughs> Motherfuckers. Yeah, because I had to like schlep it down to a different state. <laughs> so I found a guest who had stayed on the fourth floor. His name is Danny Vale, and this is from two years ago. He said he stayed there in the mid-1990s. And had a very weird experience. He said, let me say, I was not drunk or under any medication. 
All I remember is that my room was on the fourth floor. I went to bed around 11 p.m. At 2 a.m., I was woken up by the TV blaring. Once awake, I noticed every light was on. The radio, the TV, the sink, the bathtub. All of it had water on full blast. The toilet was flushed and still swirling around. I then double-checked my door. It was locked. The guest door to the next room was also locked. I did not see a ghost, did not hear any voices, just that everything was on. I do not sleepwalk. I have no idea what happened. Damn. And then he said, BTW, the Driscoll was a very nice hotel. (laughs) (laughs) Five stars. (laughs) Dang. Can you imagine, though? Like, what the fuck? Mm Mm-mm. Again, don't fuck with my sleep. (laughs) Also, for some reason, it gave me anxiety to think that they had that, like, that guest door. Mm Mm-hmm. For some reason, even, and then I was thinking, golly, I really haven't been in a hotel in a while that had one. Yeah. They must not be a thing anymore. They probably have it for certain people, like for the family suites or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, most recently we've been staying in uh, handicap rooms because of a certain someone with a knee scooter. People who are handicapped could have guests next door that they want to visit too. True that. Mm -hmm. True that. We are not ableists. Hey, let me tell you, for the damn handicap room that we had in Chicago, Mm -hmm. that thing was a schlep. For Carrie. Yeah, it was really far from On the fucking carpet. On carpet. And the room was slanted. slanted. <laughs> like, not, like, not going into the bathroom. Like, the actual room you had yes. to go from, from what, like, from the door to the window was From the window to the wall. To the sweat drop down my balls because <laughs> I was fucking sweating, schlepping up the fucking hill to the window. <laughs> it really was. Oh, my God. Like, like, I tripped once because I was like, God damn it, this floor isn't even. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> mm. You know how I said, like, the famous people had mm-hmm. been there and all? Annie Lennox from the Eurythmics, Sweet Dreams Are Made of These. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She was in town on tour. She couldn't decide what to wear on stage, so she had laid out her two favorite dresses, went to shower, you know, just like, all right, this is what my choices are, mm-hmm. whatever. Clear my head, wash my hair, see what I want to wear. Exactly. Damn, that round. <laughs> so when she got out of the shower, one of the dresses had been put away. <gasps> yeah. So she was like, uh... Sweet dreams are made of these. <laughs> yeah. Who am I to disagree? Exactly. <laughs> And that's how the song was written. (laughs) No, no, that's wrong. That's definitely wrong. (laughs) Oh, my God. But, yeah, so she said, like, that a ghost at the Driscoll helped her pick out her outfit. Wow, that's really cool. Scary, but cool. Yeah. I mean, I'd shit my pants, but cool. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so then I found another person, Sarah, And this was like six months ago, and she worked at the Driscoll for five years. And she said that she has seen many of the ghosts, but at the time, they were told, you can't talk about it. But she's like, now, I'm free. I'm going to purge. And so I was like, "Mm mm-hmm, copy and paste all of your comments. (laughs) So I'm just going to kind of, you know, say what she said. She said that Colonel Driscoll, he hangs out at the restaurant, the grill, He feels proud, smokes cigars, 
And you can smell his cigar smoke. And sometimes you can see him in the mirror after you smell it. Oh, shit. Mm -hmm. And she said at least that's how it would play out for her. She said there's a lady that used to work at the front desk. And she would stay close to Sarah, this woman. She loved her job very much. And that she would call her Edna. But people would call her Mrs. Bridges. And she said that she believed she passed away in the early 1900s, definitely before 1920s, because that's the kind of like era that her clothing is from. She wears a really pretty red dress. Her hair's in a French twist and it's reddish brown. And she said that she was probably the closest ghost to her when she was working there. The valets would come in to use the bathroom. But other than that, like she was alone while working there. And so Edna would turn on the radio. She would print shit randomly and even turned on the bathroom sink once. Damn. Sarah said that one day she was trying to show Chris Isaac, you know, a wicked game singer. So she was showing Chris Isaac to his room and Edna was fucking with her. And none of the keys worked. So she went back to the desk three times to get new keys. Like totally embarrassed because it's, Chris Isaac. So when they went back up to the room for the fourth time, the room wasn't even locked. The door was ajar. <laughs> and so it was like, what the fuck? Yeah. You know? So she talked about the bride stuff. She said there's two bride ghosts, actually. One usually hangs out on the fourth floor near the governor's suite. She didn't really want to get married, but was doing it because her family expected it. Then the guy jilted her, and she died by suicide by hanging from shame. Oh, shit. I would see her walking the halls and crying on the fourth floor. She's really sad that she couldn't live to see her full potential. She said that she never really had much interaction with the other bride, but she knew that she was there. She's the one who would cause problems for guests. She said that this other bride would throw things at night, and it would scare people, obviously. She messed up her phone once, like her cell phone, Mm -hmm. because she was, like, in college, didn't have a lot of money to pay for a new phone. So she's like, what the fuck? Yeah. (laughs) She said that there's also an older man on the seventh floor on the Art Deco side. He smokes a lot, and that's how he died. I was like, well. Why is he, he died at the hotel? I don't know. She said he's he also gambles, but is also generally friendly. Sometimes he plays with the elevator on the Art Deco side. He's annoying, but not harmful. She said, I know it sounds weird, but if you're in the hotel, make a bet with him. He likes it, and since he's a ghost, he'll never be able to pay you if you win, but he still likes to bet. (laughs) I was going to say, I mean, it'd be nice if he shared his chips with me. Right? So, like, she just, like, listed off all the shit that she knew while she was working there. So, the most interesting legend, I think, it comes from... Ferdinand Maximilian. Do you remember his name? Like Maximilian. Yeah. Yeah. 1850s. He was traveling Europe. He met a woman and she predicted one day he was going to be crowned emperor. So Ferdinand, he was like, oh, she knows what she's talking about. Did his best to make this come true. Well, eventually the French court was like, you know what? He would be a good emperor. And so... They were like, all right, he's going to basically be our puppet in Mexico. And like, but he needs someone to be with, like, you know, all this shit. Mm -hmm. So like, let's get him a bride. 
So the princess of Belgium, her name was Charlotte. I love that name. Me too. Well, they were married and set sail for the French colony. Once in Mexico, Charlotte became Carlotta. And they, you know, like just had their life. They lived in a palace on a hill overlooking Mexico City. But like there was a U.S. blockade. And so it made hard for like French ships to get in and out. Blah, 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 blah. Anyway, so what happened? Carlotta went back to Europe to be like, please help us. We need help to do all the shit. And while she was there, some of the men had stormed the palace and executed Maximilian. Carlotta was heartbroken. And it said that like just her sanity and everything just deteriorated quickly. All of, you know, all of the things had really bad paranoid delusions. Just breaks my heart. However, because this was like early on up in their marriage, you know, Mm -hmm. like soon they were not together long. Ferdinand had got this wedding gift for her and it was a set of eight mirrors had elaborate gold leaf frames each crowned with a carved bust of the empress charlotte but carlotta Mm -hmm. very very ornate they were backed with sterling silver and diamond dust to add greater sheen to their surfaces like golly she she we don't even know if she ever knew about these gifts or not But after the fall of the Palace of Mexico, all of their belongings were pillaged and scattered. And somehow these mirrors ended up at an auction in San Antonio, Texas. Well, in 1930, the Driscoll Hotel was going to renovate a large room. And this room had been the men's smoking lounge. But it was going to be now like a grand dining hall for like special events. And so the hotel purchased these eight gold French mirrors from this antique shop in San Antonio and installed them in this new like European eleganza decor, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's now dubbed the Maximilian room. Both guests and staff have had strange experiences in the hall over the years. So some people believe that Carlotta's spirit haunts the mirrors, despite that she never really saw him when she was alive Maybe it's, like, a connection, like, emotional connection of this was, like, the last gift from her husband. And, like, who knows? I don't know. But there's an Austin ghost tour guide, Monica Ballard. And she said that, she said that there was a photographer in the 1990s. Shit went down in the 1990s at Driscoll. Mm -hmm. But the photographer encountered an apparition that he believed was Carlotta. He was setting up for a shoot in the Maximilian room and he wanted to photograph modern bridal gowns against like all the classical background, like the decor and everything. Mm -hmm. While he's unpacking his equipment, he heard the doors open, glanced up in one of the mirrors to see a woman stride into the room. And he described her as stunning raven haired beauty wearing a sumptuous antebellum white gown. And he turned to question the bride, he thought. Mm-hmm. Like, why are you wearing a period dress? Like, this is supposed to be modern. You yeah. know, like the juxtaposition, all of this, you know. Like, you're ruining everything. <laughs> we were rooting for you. <laughs> well, no one was there. 
but the doors were standing wide open. Hmm. He turned to look in an opposite mirror, and there she was again. So he looked around again, like, aha! <laughs> <laughs> but the room was still empty. Did he do this six more times? No. <laughs> Thank God. But it seemed that she only appeared in the mirrors. Mm-hmm. She was stuck in the mirrors. Mm-hmm. So once he, like, looked back and she's not in the mirrors anymore, he kind of looked at the mirrors and saw the carved bust on the mirrors and was like, The fuck? Holy fuck. That's who I just saw. So. I don't believe that. Who knows? This is why. Okay. Because... I mean, it wasn't like he was like, oh, who's this girl? And then he looked and he was like, oh, look at that carving. Like, it's not like that was the very first time he ever laid eyes on the mirrors, like, in that very second. I mean, it may have been like the first day he had ever looked at them, but subconsciously he'd seen those busts on those mirrors. Yeah. So I don't buy that he was like, who's that girl? Oh, that's her. But they're like in gold. Yeah, but I'm still saying that subconsciously mm, he's yeah. seen it and you know what i mean yeah mm, what do y'all think we want to know fake no i'm kidding not fake just not it could happen believable <laughs> that is cool though about the mirrors being there like just that yeah. that whole story that is whole really story. cool i know yeah. like holy fuck it's crazy how things come about like that yeah. you know it's like how the hell did those mirrors, and all eight of them, mm-hmm. remain intact, get from Mexico to San Antonio to Austin, you know? Yeah. Again, crazy. all of them, all eight still together. Yeah. So crazy. I, I just love that. I had not really heard of this hotel, but I've heard of it. Yeah. You know? And so then I was like, wait, it's haunted? And it's like really haunted. You know, so many different spirits. And I don't even think... I touched on all of them. It's, you know, just like random fleeting things. But these were the main spirits. I like have all these places when you have to go now. I know. Well, and you know, the Golden Ghouls live in Austin. Hey, girls. Hey, ghouls. Oh, that was clever. (laughs) Road trip. Road trip. Yes. Well, that was good. And now we have to go visit. I know, I know. I need you to win the lottery so that we can go visit all these places. Why me? Make your own, make your own money, Carrie. Because <laughs> we're fucking codependent. If you win, I win. If I win, you win. If I dip, you dip. Yes. You, were we you dip. trying to say it? <sighs> oh my gosh, that's so funny. Well, you know what? Ice cream, you scream, we all scream for ice cream. There's always room in your belly for ice cream. <laughs> Second stomach. Something. Are we going to want to throw up after we hear your story, though? You asked for this kind of case. Oh, shit. You know what happens when you ask for a case. Well, I don't remember what I asked for. <laughs> okay. So, there was a girl, young, beautiful. Her name was Lori Show. She just was this young, bright, loving, all the great things, right? I'm starting this like every episode of 48 Hours Ever. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Or the dating show or whatever. And you know, the thing is, is that I know there's like that meme that says, if I ever die, like, 
they tell 48 hours and tw- 2020 and all to not say that I was like, she lights up a room whenever she enters. Yeah. No, I am a dark cloud of yeah. whatever, you know? Yeah. No one would ever be like, Carrie was such a beautiful young woman who was so giving and loving and kind. Never, ever would anybody describe me that way. Yes, they would. I'm giving her a slow blink because no the fuck they wouldn't. Yes, they would. I mean, I would say, look. She was kind of a bitch. She was a big bitch. But I loved her. And <laughs> she was sweet. Donna says that I'm a what? A Sour Patch Kid. <laughs> because first, she's a bitch. And then she's like, oh, I'm sorry. And then she wants to be like, oh. Pack of crackers. <laughs> They're, They're there. there. <laughs> but seriously, she is like a Sour Patch Kid, like those commercials. <laughs> Fucking cut your hair off and then be like, but here. <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay. Well, Laurie had a friend, air quotes around that word. Her name was Lisa Michelle Lambert, and she went by Michelle. And Michelle was kind of like the ultimate... Mean girl, but not like in a Regina George way. In a, I'm going to beat your ass way. You know what I mean? And her middle name was Michelle? Uh-huh. Must uh, be a thing. What's your middle name? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to beat my ass? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's Michelle. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Do y'all want my blood type and my social security number? <laughs> This bitch knows her blood type. We've already discussed. <laughs> Michelle was just crude, rough around the edges, just just an asshole. And it was her way or the highway. She was always, like, in charge. And if you were doing something she didn't like, you'd fucking know it. Well, when she was 15, she moved out of her parents' house because her parents accused her of stealing money from them. And so... She moved in with her boyfriend. His name was Lawrence Yunkin. And old Lawrence looked like he was trying to be Thor, but with, like, an epic mullet. Mmm. Yeah. Mmm. So, Michelle and Lawrence lived together, and Lawrence had a trailer, like, out in the country and, you know, on some land. And they lived out there. In the spring of 1991 is when Michelle and Laurie met. They met over at a friend's house, and they just didn't really get along from the beginning. Like, Michelle gave Laurie a really hard time about the way she looked, because Michelle was all done up, dyed blonde hair, lots of makeup, just very, like, voluptuous, like, you know. And she was 19, and Laurie was 16, and she just, you know, had 90s hair, very, you know, like, that kind of, like, It looks like she had curly hair that she brushed out. You know, she just was a 16-year-old finding her way. Yeah. Not all done up. Not a 19-year-old. You know. Yeah. And so, Michelle would, like, make fun of her appearance. Well, in early June, Michelle is pregnant with Lawrence's baby. And even though she's pregnant, she breaks up with him. Well, not long after that, Lawrence and Lori started hanging out. Not much. Like, it wasn't even really, like, that big of a thing. But they would just hang out here and there together. But not really, like, officially dated. They just kind of hung out, you know? Supposedly, some stuff says that, like, when they were hanging out, mostly he was 
just talking about and upset about Michelle. Like it was a, it, some of the stuff says like they were just, it was totally platonic. Like they weren't anything. Lawrence and Laurie were supposed to go to a July 4th little party, see some fireworks. Again, this is in 91. And they didn't ever go because, now this is, this is coming from Laurie's mom. Lawrence raped Laurie. What? Yes. According to Laurie's mom, though, Laurie didn't want to, like, press charges or anything like that. So she didn't go to the police when it happened. Well, not long after 4th of July, Michelle and Lawrence got back together. So they got back together, but Michelle still had this hate for Laurie. Even though, again, Laurie's not having shit to do with Lawrence. You know, again, according to her, he raped her. Like, she's not even... Yeah. She's like, boy, bye. Like, y'all go live your life out in the woods. I'm going to stay here, you know? Yeah. Well, there was this one night that Laurie's mom went to pick her up from work. She worked in the mall at this just, like, little kind of dress shop. And her mom went to pick her up from work. And when she got there, she saw that Michelle and Lawrence were parked outside of the mall. Well, her mom waited on Laurie to come out. And when Laurie was starting to, like, walk out of the mall, she said that she saw Michelle chasing Laurie, like, out of the mall and then shove her into the wall. What? Yes. Well, Laurie was able to get away from Michelle and run to her, her mom's car. And they called the police. But the police said that, sorry, there's nothing we can do. Nobody's here anymore. Like, meaning that Michelle had left the scene. So, mm, sorry, there's nothing we can do anymore. What? That'll make no fucking sense. No. And you know they had security cameras and shit. Well, it was 91. I mean, they probably, well, maybe they did. Yes, they did. Well, either way, I don't understand why she couldn't press charges. Like, I don't understand that. So, if y'all are in law enforcement an attorney or anything, let us know if we're wrong about that because I feel like that's no different than me going to the police station and being like, Joe Blow hit me. Yeah, a hit and run kind of thing. Or just, no, or just this person attacked me. Oh, okay, oh, we'll fight. Sorry. <laughs> I thought with a car. <laughs> I was like, why is she not understanding this? No. <laughs> Ain't nothing about a car accident in this. <laughs> I don't know why. Okay, no, what I meant was I could go in the police station and be like, Donna hit me, I want to press charges, and I could press charges. Yeah. They wouldn't be like, well, she's not here, so sorry you can't. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Okay. So not long after that happened, Lori noticed that Michelle was at her work again waiting on her outside. And she was like, what the fuck? So she called the police and the police came and they were talking to Laurie and her mom came because, you know, she it happened again. She's there. You know, she wasn't she didn't get assaulted, but she was there watching her. It was then that Laurie actually told that officer about the rape. And her mom was like, that was the first time I had heard her actually talk about it. Well, a couple of days after that, of course, nothing came of it. A couple of days after that. Laurie and her mom are at this local market, and they see that Michelle and Lawrence are following them. What? I know. I just want to be like, why are you obsessed with me? (laughs) Damn. I mean, it's like, 
she has this, Michelle has this hatred for her for no fucking reason. Like, you are back with Lawrence. Move the fuck on. Yeah. Leave her alone. I mean, she's fucking 16 years old. You're 19. Like, move on. Well, eventually, while they're being followed, Lawrence and Michelle actually come up to them and start to cause a scene, you know, yelling, cussing, blah, 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 blah. Of course. And they were actually able to find a police officer there, and it helped kind of end the scene. Yeah. So now we're in November. So we're four months into the stalking. And they have a kid. She's pregnant. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's pregnant. Because I was about to say, like... How you got time? Yeah, how you got time when yeah. you... St- like, oh my God. No, okay. she's she's pregnant. So like I said, we're in November, and Laurie is at the mall where she worked, but she's actually, like, shopping with some friends. Well, when her mom picked her up from the mall, that just shows how young she is, too, because, like, her mom's picking her up from work. Her mom's picking her up from being with her friends in the mall. So when her mom, like I said, picked her up, she noticed that Laurie had had been crying, and she's like, what happened? And she said that she and her friends were outside the mall, like, just chatting, waiting, you know, to be picked up, yada, 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 as you do. Well, we wouldn't have. We would have waited inside in the air conditioner. Uh, yeah. Still in November. In the air conditioner. Oh, for sure. With snacks, like in the food court. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, can I get some Dippin' Dots? Oh, my God, Dippin' Dots. And can I get a cookie from the cookie store? <laughs> but I need it to be the one with the icing in the middle. God, you love that. I really do. Meanwhile, I'm like, can I get a pretzel? Uh-huh. I, well, I'd eat that, too. Mm-hmm. I'd eat that, too. <laughs> I'd eat that after I ate all that other shit because I'd need some salty. <laughs> So the girls were standing outside waiting on her mom, and guess who shows up? Fucking Michelle. Mm-hmm. Michelle shows up, pulls Laurie away from the girls, slams her into a wall, and starts, like, beating her up. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, she can have charges pressed against that because she's a minor and she's uh, over right? 18. Yes. Well, no one really did anything to stop her because she's like pregnant doing this, like like big pregnant. And so those girls didn't want to hurt her. And Laurie didn't want to hit back too because she's like, I don't want to hurt the baby. Yeah. Because everyone else is concerned about the baby. Yeah, except for Michelle. Mm-hmm. Well, the police ended up getting involved and Laurie did press charges on her. Good. But the thing is, though, is that the stalking didn't stop. Yeah. Michelle would call Laurie's house over and over and over again. I mean, like multiple times a day. So when they would answer the phone, she would just berate them and just, I mean, just, it was relentless. But if they didn't answer the phone, the ringing would never stop. Like it would just, she would call over and over and over again. And so they eventually changed their phone number because it was like, this has got to stop, you know. And again, it was... 91 so they could just change her number and it'd be unlisted you know it wasn't like yeah. it is now well on december 19th laurie's mom got a call from the school counselor and said hey you know there was an incident that happened with laurie in the school gym we need to have a meeting be here at the high school at 7 30 the next morning well not like like a half hour after she got off the phone with them they called back and they were like actually meet me at 7 a.m at the junior high well, 
Laurie's mom left her at home getting dressed. She was like, well, the meeting was at the high school. She'd have just taken Laurie to school because it had been about the same time. But since it was at the junior high, yeah. she left her home to get dressed to get to school on her own. Ugh, my stomach hurts already. I feel where this is going. And mm-hmm. Well, when her mom got to the school, the counselor never showed. And she kind of had a weird feeling about it because when she told Laurie about it, Laurie was like, I don't know what this is about and I don't have gym class. So, oh my God. Nothing, you know, I'm not in the gym. Yeah. Well, so her mom gets there. The lady doesn't ever show. So she writes her letter and was like, I was here. If you need me, I'll come back. And she left like at like 707. She didn't stay very long. And she said that she just had a bad feeling. She gets home. And they live in an apartment complex. And the neighbor, the downstairs neighbor, was like, hey, you know, when they saw her pull up, they were like, hey, everything okay? I've been hurt. I heard like a lot of, like, I heard a loud noise up there. Like, oh what's going gosh. on? Don't let me request things again. You won't ask for a stalking case. Her mom said that any other time, those neighbors were nosy busybodies and would have gone up to check. And that morning, they didn't. Oh, my gosh. So her mom rushed upstairs to their apartment, and she's, like, looking around, trying to figure out what's going on. And she finds Laurie laying in the floor in her bedroom, blood everywhere, the telephone cords around her, like, kind of wrapped around her feet, and she has a rope around her neck. No! And so she, like, runs out, tells somebody to call the police, Comes back, gets a like a knife and cuts the rope off her neck, and then she realizes that it's not just the rope; her throat is cut underneath the rope. Oh my god! But Laurie's still alive. Holy fuck! Laurie is like gasping, trying to breathe. Oh my god! And she tells her mom, Michelle did it. It was Michelle. It was Michelle. I love you. I love you. I love you. No. And then she starts kind of fading and oh just mouthing, god. "I love you." And dies. Carrie, don't pull a Donna. Oh my God, that's so sad. So when the police and the ambulance and all got there, she was pronounced dead at the scene. Oh my God. I just want to read this quote from her mom. Her mom said, I told her that I loved her and her dad loved her and that God would take care of her. I held her in my arms, holding her head and neck together. Oh my God. Yeah, it was bad. That's so bad. Can you imagine you're trying to help your daughter cut the rope off and then it only gets worse? And I wonder, you know, I was thinking about, I wonder if for a split second she thought it was an attempted suicide or something with the rope, you know. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, she takes it off and realizes no. But then again, there was a lot of blood. So she may have known from the start, you know. But she also knew that Laurie had all of this trouble with Michelle and was being stalked and harassed. And so she probably also knew that she was in danger. Yeah. Well, and she's probably thinking, oh my God, she can't breathe. But if I get this off of her, she can breathe and I'll save her. Oh, absolutely. And then lose all hope. But oh my God, it's so heartwarming to think that they could say goodbye to each other. That is like... As hard as this case is, like, that is the most precious thing that so many people don't get, especially in a murder case. Yeah. Like, that's, like, unheard of in Mm -hmm. a murder case. 
So police immediately are looking at Michelle because, well, a dying declaration that she yeah. was who did it. Supposedly, though, this is this is where it gets. Are you fucking kidding me? Supposedly, there was already an arrest warrant out for Michelle and that the police, like, for the assault and stuff. And they were like, well, we couldn't find her. What? Meanwhile, the day that Lori died, they found her that afternoon with Lawrence at a fucking bowling alley. I'm like, okay, so now that she's dead, you find her real motherfucking uh-huh. quick. Uh-huh. So they found Michelle and Lawrence, like I said, at the bowling alley, and they are there with their friend Tabitha. Are they trying to induce labor? Because good fuck. <laughs> well, when the police, you know, get there, find them at the bowling alley, they notice that Tabitha has some cuts on her face, and they're like, what the fuck happened to your face? And Michelle wouldn't let Tabitha talk. She just was like, we got in a fight with some girls earlier. And they were like, okay, all three of you motherfuckers, come on. You're coming with us. Right. So they get them to the police station. Three strikes, you're out. Hey. <laughs> yeah, well, I get it. And we're not sparing anyone. Hey. So they take all three of them down to the police station, separate them. Thank God. Start asking them questions. And Tabitha lawyers up. And she's like, I'm not saying shit. Mm. Lawyer's up. Well, Michelle tells about mm, three different stories. Oh, of course. And Lawrence says, okay, this is what happened. Oh, God. I took them. I took Tabitha and Michelle. I dropped them off pretty close to Laurie's apartment because they were supposed to go beat her up. So I dropped them off and I went to McDonald's to have breakfast. Oh, my fuck. Uh-huh. He said, <laughs> a gentleman. I mean, he said, so then I go back and it took him a while to come because he was supposed to like pick him up on the edge of the woods. Oh, my God. And they didn't get there for a little while. So he like had to drive around and kind of find them. When they got there, they they both had blood on them and they smelled funny. So I'm guessing like maybe like the copper smell yeah. of blood. Because that's how much blood they had on them. Uh huh. And he said. So, because they stunk, I took them back to the trailer. They both showered, and then we took Tabitha back to school. Because Tabitha's still in fucking high school. Are you kidding me? Mm-mm. Nope. So, when Tabitha, her last name is Buck. Tabitha Buck is her name. Tabitha had written herself a note because she was late that day, and her PE teacher was like, she had some scratches on her face, you know, asked her what happened, and she said that she had gone to McDonald's before school and that she had gotten into a fight. So, Lawrence was talking some. Tabitha was like, mm-mm, attorney. And Michelle was changing her story back and forth kind of as they went. Like, sometimes she would say that she wasn't there. Sometimes she would say, okay, we were there, but Tabitha did blah, 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 and Lawrence wasn't there. Then she'd say, well, Lawrence was there. And just, like, this, all this back and forth. Yeah. Well, so, the police struck a deal with Lawrence that he would testify against both of the girls. And so, he told them that after they had dropped Tabitha off at school, he and Michelle took, like, burned some of the clothes and stuff. And then took some of it in a pink garbage bag, put it in a dumpster, like, behind a Wendy's or something. And then... Dropped the knife in the river. Okay, but where did they get a pink garbage bag from? I, it's 1991. I guess they made pink garbage bags then. 
I'm going to need one of those. <laughs> you never had colored garbage bags like that? No. I feel like my grandma had them in her pink bathroom. I would imagine so. But I really want one. I'm sorry. That's what I took away from that. Yeah. I was like, pink. Mm-hmm. Pink. No, I've had black and white. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, pink. Well, that's what they had. So the police ended up finding the bag and the clothes that Michelle had had on that were in the bag were different than the clothes that she had said she had had on. So they had just, you know, they got her in a bunch of lots. Yeah. Well, when it came time for the trial, Michelle didn't think that she would be able to get a fair trial in the area because they lived in, they live in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, which is like a, a lot of Amish live there. Like even what's that breaking Amish show? Uh-huh, that's, that's where what, they're from. That's what I was going to say. I only know that place from that show. Yeah, and so it's just like a small town, you know, everybody kind of, I think it knows everybody, lots of horse and buggies around. So she's like, again, okay, like I said, Lancaster, she was like, I'm not going to get a fair trial. So instead of doing a jury trial, she was like, okay, let's just do a trial with a judge. And he would decide guilt or innocence and would also decide if she was found guilty, death penalty or not. So as part of Lawrence's deal, he was going to get... Like, one count of hindering apprehension, basically not get much at all. Mm-hmm. Well, he had lied when, like, while he was testifying, and so they scratched the deal with him, and he got charged with third-degree murder. Ooh. And, yeah, and was sentenced to jail, I think, for, like, 25 years, maybe? 20 years? Something like that. Real good facts, right? Well, Michelle was found guilty, and they gave her life without parole instead of the death penalty. Okay. Not long after that was Tabitha's trial, and she was guilty, found guilty, and given life without parole. Just recently, like within the last couple of years, a, f- a few states have done this. I know we've talked about this before, but a lot of the states have said that it's unconstitutional to give a minor life without parole. Mm-hmm. And so they actually resentenced her to like 25 years to life. And so, in a few years, she'll be eligible for parole. But they say she's like a model prisoner, got her GED while she was in there, and she, like, tutors the others and has not really turned, kind of turned it around. Yeah. Well, and she's not with Michelle. Mm -hmm. Well, Michelle was not happy with her conviction, obviously. Who who would be? So, Michelle wanted to appeal, and... Shit wasn't happening how she wanted it to. And so she wrote a letter to a federal judge and said, like, you know, oh, woe is me. All this shit happened. It's a cover-up. They're framing me. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, blah, 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 blah. But there's a paper trail because I stalked her. They had witnesses mm-hmm. that said that she had been telling friends for a long time that she's going to get rid of Laurie one way or another. Blah, 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 blah. She said she was going to kidnap her and cut her throat. Well, hmm. Damn. Mm-hmm. So, the judge bites and is like, okay. Because it's something with, again, not an attorney. I just play one on the podcast. But from what I understand, the judge reopened the case because habeas corpus, something with the Constitution and her writing him the letter and it let him open it up. He actually sent the case to some attorneys that became her defense attorneys. I think you can technically do that. As a, as a judge, you can say, like, here's a case. 
if you want to take it on, you know? Mm. So she got her two new defense attorneys, and they said that it was a cover-up, that Michelle was gang-raped by three police officers, and that that's why they framed her, was so that she wouldn't tell about them raping her. What? And they said that basically... They were saying that there were Brady violations, but they never actually said they were Brady violations. So they said that the prosecution had exculpatory evidence that they didn't give to the defense and that the prosecution said that they didn't have, that some evidence didn't exist. Like they said that they never had the pink garbage bag, but then there was a police video of them finding it. Mm. So this federal judge, he said, where do they get the pink garbage bag from? Is it scented? Oh, I do not like scented. I scent. hate scented garbage bags. Mm-mm, I don't like, like it. Like, hate them. Yeah. Mm-mm. I'm sorry. Continue on. Yeah. So this judge writes like a 300-page judgment about <laughs> what? This judge writes a 300-page judgment. <laughs> I mean, as one does. Yes. And in it, he said the, well... Let me back up a little bit. The defense said that there were two, basically 200 violations from the prosecutor. What? Of, again, how they described it was Brady violations, but they never said it. It was like, I think it'll make more sense in a second. So the judge says that he has never seen more prosecutorial misconduct, like, in the history of the English language. What? And he said that basically the cops were fuck-ups. And this was a disaster. She's innocent. <gasps> and he forbid, forbade, forbid them from ever retrying her and putting her in jail. Are you fucking kidding me? And so she was immediately released. What the night court's going on here? <laughs> and the state is sitting there like fucking slow blinking like the fuck just happened. Right. How is this federal judge going to tell us as a state that we can't retry somebody? Right. And not to mention, you jumped like 10 chains of command going straight to a federal court Mm -hmm. when you didn't even take it to the state Supreme Court yet. Yeah. So after about 10 months of fighting, because other states got involved too, because it became like a federal versus state of a federal judge can't tell a state who they can and can't prosecute. Yeah. And so a couple, I think like four or five other states got involved too in that legal battle. Laurie's mom even said that like from the first day of the trial with the federal judge, she was like, he hated law enforcement. He, it was like, he was against us from the first minute. And so what the fuck? So the prosecution is just like, no, we're we're going to retry her. So the state was like, okay, not only can you not tell us this, but again, she jumped the shark and skipped all these state channels for appeal. So let's backtrack a little bit. And she was actually out of jail for 10 months. What? Mm-hmm. But here's the thing, too. When she was doing that trial in the federal court, she stopped going by Michelle and started going by Lisa, her first name. Damn, I've already forgot. She had a first name. Yeah. She dyed her hair back brown, like her natural color, Mm -hmm. and she used to wear colored contacts that made her eyes blue, so she was like blonde hair, blue eyes, took her colored contacts out, like 
completely changed her, which which we know everybody does, which is, pisses me off because it's like, it's, it's such a game. Like, yeah. big trials like this, it's such a fucking chess match. And mm-hmm. every single thing matters. And it pisses me off that something like her appearance could sway how someone chooses guilty or innocent in a fucking murder. Yeah. It doesn't matter if she has blonde, brown, or blue fucking hair. If she did it, she did it. Yes. That's what pisses me off. She that Someone with brown hair and bangs and glasses... Oh, I know who you're talking about. ...doesn't mean that you did not kill someone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also... We're not fucking stupid. We see the pictures from before. Like, you know uh-huh. what I mean? Like, oh, the day before. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, God. Don't get me started on that fucking case. I will say, though, that Lisa slash Michelle really does have beautiful hair. <laughs> <laughs> she, I watched, a, like, a documentary on it, and because she's got, like, a book out and blah, blah, blah. And she really does have beautiful hair. Bitch. <laughs> I want beautiful hair. But anyway, Okay. You have beautiful hair. Oh, stop. Okay. Well, the prosecutor said for her cover-up to actually be real, for her, like, for it to truly be, okay, these three police officers raped her, and basically everyone from the police to the prosecutors to everybody is covering this up, there would have to be over a hundred people involved in this cover-up. Holy Hannah. And most and, and some of them don't even know each other. Oh my gosh. More to the point of the fact that this is not a fucking cover-up, one of the police officers that she said, well, he was he's a homicide detective, that she said raped her. Supposedly when the rape, when the alleged, I should say, the alleged rape occurred, he was on his honeymoon. Not even in the state. What? And so he showed his marriage certificate and his hotel receipts and proved that he didn't do it. Doppelganger. So the other thing is that this is a this is a touchy thing I'm about to say. Oh fuck. Because I don't want it to sound like I'm victim blaming or shaming or anything like that. But there were eleven different times that Lisa slash Michelle had said that someone had raped her, whether it be a corrections officer when she was first in jail, those police officers. Actually, there were multiple corrections officers that she claimed raped her. So it's like, you know, it's like every episode of SVU is playing through my head where it's like, it doesn't matter how many times they said that it happened when it, and it didn't because there may be that one that actually did happen. And so mm-hmm. I'm by no means saying that all 11 didn't happen. We only know for sure that one didn't because he was not there. Yeah. But when you're trying to, I'm just saying the optics of it. When you're trying to say that you were framed because you were raped by three police officers, but from the moment you've been in jail and prison, you've said that corrections officers have, have raped you, you know? And the first time it happened, they actually moved like, she actually was transferred to another prison. So that one really could have happened if they, you know, I mean, like, yeah. why else would they transfer her, you know? Yeah. Well, it's hard, too, because if she was raped before, they could be like, yeah, we did this. So, like, I mean, you know, she's fair game. Yeah. And well, and it's like, she's, you know, she's what a I mean? target. Yeah. yeah. And so, so again, that's why I said this is very touchy because I, I don't fucking know. I am by yeah. no means saying, 
yes or no. All I'm saying is that the optics when you're trying to prove conspiracy, it doesn't look good. Yeah. So there were multiple, multiple, multiple legal battles about all of this. And she eventually was found guilty again by actually a federal judge and sentenced to first degree murder and life without parole. And now she's got her little book out and most of the shit in the book is completely different than the evidence that was presented. And again, her story's changed so many times, yada, yada, yada. Mm-mm-mm. But your girl did it. Yeah. And I think, too, that whenever you, when there's so much of a legal battle around it, it's just like, you know, her mom was basically like, okay, it's finally over. You know, she's she's exhausted her appeals. She's It's done, you mm-hmm. know. And then it came up with Tabitha being eligible for oh yeah parole. You know, so it's just like her family doesn't get rest. And that's the thing, too, which I think is the biggest takeaway because, you know, with all these legal things happening, you lose Laurie and you lose the victim's families. And that includes the families of the people who, of the murderers, you know, yeah. because they are victims too. They didn't do this. They didn't sign up for this. exactly. And it's like, they constantly have to go through this and relive this and be re-traumatized over and over again yeah. in these legal battles. And it's not fucking fair. Mm-mm. Meanwhile, fucking Lisa slash Michelle is living her best life in prison with like the most voluptuous lips and hair I've ever seen <laughs> in my fucking life. And I'm like, how you got better makeup than me when you were in fucking jail? What the Gypsy Rose is going on here? So as of now, Lisa slash Michelle is life without parole. Tabitha, how I said, she was resentenced. And so she is actually, we'll find out in December of this year if she's paroled. Holy fuck. She's been in jail for 25 years and she was sentenced to, like, I think 25 to life. So yeah. And then it's interesting at that resentencing hearing, it was, you know, they were saying, like, she says the right things. Like, she said, I'm sorry, but she never, like, admits it or is seems remorseful. Mm. But that she's, like, a model prisoner. And she was ordered to pay the cost of prosecution, submit for DNA sampling, and pay over $7,000 in restitution to the show family for their funeral expenses and counseling. And, you know, the district attorney was like, he's talking about how she's like not shown any remorse. And he's like, I don't care how good you are in prison. You helped kill somebody. Yeah. When Tabitha was on the stand for her resentencing, she said, when they asked her about Laurie's death, she said, it's something that I think about all the time, Your Honor. Honestly, I have some mixed emotions about today's proceedings. I can't imagine how Laurie's family feels that this is even happening. I also can't imagine how my own family is feeling that this is even happening. I'm sorry. I don't know what else to say. So it's like, yeah, she's sorry, but again, not remorseful. Yeah. Like she's, she's sorry that everybody's having to go through this because she's caught almost, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. But Lawrence is actually out on parole. He served 12 of his 20 or 25 year sentence and is out on parole living in Pennsylvania. They say, like, he's a good bowler on a little bowling league. And I'm like, I don't give a fuck. I mean, I'm sharing with y'all because it's fucking stupid. Like, yes, I don't know. I don't know how much 
of a role he really did. He mm-hmm. because there really was a witness that he was at McDonald's that morning. So I don't know how much he really did participate, but well, he dropped them bare. All. I was gonna say bare minimum. He took them to that apartment, knowing that at the least they were gonna beat her up. Yeah, two on one, mm-hmm. and he raped. Laurie. Uh-huh. And he was abusive to Michelle, too. Their relationship was very toxic. And I really do think that those girls are the ones that set her mom up leaving that morning. Oh, for sure. And that's why they told her, that's why they changed it to the middle school, not the high school, mm-hmm. because they knew, oh, well, she'll just ride with her mom to school that day. Mm-hmm. I mean, Lori was a child. I mean, she's 16. Oh, my gosh. Heartbreaking. Yes. No dick is that good. No. No, no relationship period no no romantic relationship Mm-mm. no relationship period no dick no v right it ain't worth it no so no matter where you are on the spectrum mm-hmm. don't be killing somebody for some little don't do it all for the nookie <laughs> leave that shit to limp biscuit especially if they've got a limp biscuit oh fuck i mean they could still butter my biscuit they make pills for it but <laughs> So don't kill people. Exactly. I mean, fuck. I'll give you some fucking double A batteries and give you an Adam and Eve subscription. <laughs> Do you want to sponsor us? <laughs> that would be the perfect sponsor for us. Yes. Can we have that and like like a cupcakes uh, thing? That would be carbs perfect. and cock. I mean, literally carbs and cock. Thank you for catching on. I hate you. <laughs> Do we want to learn anything today? I mean, that carbs and cock. Still our, a thing. Our life. We learned that people are assholes. Yes. We did learn that, hey, do a paper trail. She did right. Laurie did right by reporting all of the stuff. Yes. And they did do, as part of that, like, hand down from that federal judge, they did do, like, a federal investigation into the prosecution and the police department And they said that while there were errors, Mm -hmm. they were not, like, basically they weren't a Brady violation. I guess I never went back to that. Sorry. That it wasn't, it didn't impact the result of the trial. Mm. So that's why I said, like, they never really said Brady violations because I don't think it really was. Like, when they did that investigation, they were like, yeah, they screwed up a couple times, but that's kind of par for the course when you have humans doing shit. Right. And it didn't change the outcome. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and we also learned, do not bet something that, you know, you spent a shit ton of money on, mm-hmm. you know, on a, like, hand of poker. I allegedly. Would, allegedly. I would cut my husband's balls off for that. <laughs> Too much? I mean, no. Could you imagine? They love the taxidermy on the wall. Just add it to it. Just stick them on a squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> That turned into you. (laughs) Legit, though. You know, like, some couples have, like, numbers. Like, okay, you can buy something, like, $100 and less without asking each other. Mm -hmm. But if you're going to spend more than that, like, we need to talk about it kind of thing. Yeah. This motherfucker gambled away a fucking hotel. Right? That he couldn't even afford. The fuck? Mm Mm-hmm. I'd lose my shit. Oh, and we also learned my birthday is soon. Coming up in a couple of days. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
And we are releasing a soundtrack, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Carrie's greatest hits. And by greatest, we mean they're awful. <laughs> and no one wants to hear them. Oh, my God. But if you do, they're on the bloopers all the time. All the time. <laughs> the best was the time Will auto-tuned me. Oh, my God. God. That legitimately was the best thing ever yes. in life. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Except for y'all. Thank y'all so much for listening. And remember, creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.